0: Well, hello, friends. Dick Foth again with stories to make sense of it all. Uh, we've been reading through uh, the book that Ruth and I wrote some time back called Known, Finding Deep Friendships in a Shallow World. And we're in chapter 15. And this chapter comes under the umbrella of what we call covenant. And the chapter is called The Pledge. And We're going to do it a little differently today. Instead of me reading the entire chapter, I'm just going to read bits and pieces And in the middle of it, along the way, I'm going to have a conversation with a good friend. And I'll come to that in just a moment. So here we go. The pledge. God didn't make a contract with us. God made a covenant with us. And God wants our relationships with one another to reflect that covenant. Dr. Henry J.M. Nowen, Bread for the Journey, a daybook of wisdom and faith. It is enlistment day. And the cluster of young people stand at a semblance of attention. When told, they raise their right hands and repeat after the officer, I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to the regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So help me God. This is Foth now, parenthetically, saying that I have not been in the military. I did take one uh, semester of Air Force ROTC at Cal Berkeley 100 years ago. <laughs> but, but when I talk to military people, they just roll their eyes and say, yeah, that's not military, that's philosophy or literature or something. So, so I have never said this pledge that I'm reading to you, but, but I've said other pledges back to the book. The statement can be called a pledge of allegiance, an oath, or a promise. But at its heart, it's a covenant. A word that has fallen out of favor, uh, or fashion actually. That's unfortunate. Covenant carries a punch. Covenant suggests a depth of relationship the contract culture doesn't quite grasp. The very idea has gotten lost along the way. And that's understandable. It's an ancient practice. When you read the scriptures, you find all kinds of covenants. You can actually sort of uh, read through the Bible with those pieces in mind: a covenant with Adam, a covenant with Noah, with Abraham, so forth. And then he gave them the Ten Commandments. That was the big covenant. That moment at Sinai is the defining moment in Israel's history. Abraham Joshua Heschel, a Hebrew scholar put it this way. God gave his word to Israel, and Israel gave its word of honor to God. A pledge goes on forever. It is a moment that does not vanish. It is a moment that determines all other moments. And then he quotes Chronicles, remember his covenant forever, the word which he pledged for a thousand generations. Israel accepted the covenant. Israel gave its word of honor to stand by it. Without covenants, at one level or another, relationships don't work, work doesn't get done, progress isn't made, etc., etc. Now, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine to talk about this theme. Some years ago, when Ruth and I lived in Washington, D.C. from 1993 to 2008, a gentleman who was for some years my boss when we lived in Illinois, called and said, Our son, Vern, is coming back to the Pentagon. He had been there several times and like you to swing by and see him. And so I started going to see Vern Clark. When I first met him there at the Pentagon, he was a three-star admiral. He was what they called the J-3, the director for operations for the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Within just a handful of years, he became the head of the entire Navy, uh, Chief of Naval Operations. Uh, which would be someone who has responsibilities that are huge in terms of leadership, in terms of personnel, dollars, all of that. So in coming to this theme of the pledge or oath or promise, I could think of no one better to chat with about this. And I've had lots of conversations with Admiral Clark about this uh, by introducing him to you. So here's Admiral Vern Clark speaking to us about the oath.
1: You know, the oath has played significantly in my life, and it has been uh, used to either initially state or remind ourselves by restating a commitment that we are making of our total self to whatever the oath is about. So, uh, you know, you and I have studied and uh, Bible study about uh, not swearing to things. Yeah. Uh, you know, somewhere along the line, that became an issue in, uh, even in our military, I would say, because after the initial oath of enlistment, uh, the one option for the restatement of the oath is, I do solemnly reaffirm. And I think that it has uh, meaning here and helps us understand what it is. Uh, I reaffirm my commitment. Uh, so I would, the way I've always thought about the oath is that it is a personal promise or commitment to do something specific. Mm.
0: Mm. So when I'm trying to convince one of my playmates, when I'm in the fourth grade and and I and I just reeled off that little kid's ditty, cross my heart and hope to die, stick a needle in my that doesn't go very far, right?
1: <laughs> well, it has a little transient piece too. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, so it is so extreme that, it, it, you know, <laughs> one, that one sincerity is probably immediately in question. <laughs> so, so tell I, me. What, I'm sure yeah. when you used it the first time, you meant it completely. But I'm sure I did. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what what was the first oath that you ever took
1: or made? Can you remember? Yes, I think I can. I think it was when I was joining the Cub Scouts. You know, I was
0: in the Cub Scouts, Mm -hmm. and then we got too rowdy, and they told us not to come back, the den mother, and I didn't for a couple of weeks. And when I went back, everybody else had gone back, but I, so I got, I have the great distinction of of being thrown out of the Cub Scouts, you know, That's, Mm -hmm. that's sort of my thing, but you persevered. Ah, but enough about my foibles as a young kid and the Cub Scouts. (laughs) Let me continue this by just saying, nowhere does the idea of oath or promise or pledge have more impact than when it is in the context of leadership and what leaders do. And Vern has a lot more to say on that. So when you went to Capitol Hill, for example, to testify, Mm -hmm. uh, you go across the river from the Pentagon in your various roles uh, to testify, the Armed Services Committee, do you have to take an oath to do that?
1: Uh, Periodically, depending on the subject, but not routinely. Okay. But if you were going over for your hearing to be be confirmed... Yeah, you certainly would. Uh, they would ask you to t- uh, rise and do your solemnly swear to tell the truth. The whole truth right. nothing about the truth. So I help you God. Yeah, yeah. Well, I
0: know over the years you you have become a uh, not just an aficionado, but a proponent of what is called covenant leadership. Can yeah. you give us just a snapshot of where that came from? Whether it's books or people or whatever, and then how that played out. Let's just take a few minutes and talk to us about that.
1: Yes. Well, so I got that from initially from Max Dupree, and the title of the book was "Leadership." The leadership is an art. Mm-hmm. And Dupree was a ch- chief executive of a furniture company, and you know, over the years became laudatory and. Uh, for his leader the leadership principles that he taught and actually i didn't know that i was going to bump into covenant leadership i didn't pick up the book to go find that i did pick up the book to uh, uh see what he had to say about something that i had read that said he spoke about the things leaders do and that the first thing that a leader is called upon to do is to define reality Mm-hmm. And that really appealed to me. I would say that's what I was after when I picked up the book. What I came across were these incredible series of truths that I heard him talk about that had great meaning to me. It became uh, the most, uh, the book besides the Bible that I picked up most often to read and reinforce uh, themes. How about sharing to or through those truths that you
0: like well What's so like?
1: what was so appealing to me with covenant leadership was the fact that the act of leadership was a two-way relationship not a one-way relationship and i will tell you dick that in my observation of leaders You know, sometimes I would talk about a book that I read years ago called Bad Leadership. We automatically presume when we use the word leadership, we presume goodness, don't we? Yeah, yeah. But the reality is, is that, and you may have been in an audience where I've done this, where I ask people to raise their hand if they had a bad leader. I've never been in an audience when I asked that question that less than 90% of the people in the audience raised their hand oh, man. that they had bad leaders. So this first truth then is the leadership is a two-way
0: street. What are what are another couple of truths in, in that cluster?
1: Well, so the truth, the, another truth is that The relationship does not prosper if there aren't mutual investments in the activity that is occurring inside the organization where leadership subordinate relationship uh, is established and is uh, going on every day.
0: So in my conversation with Vern, he talked about having the stage as Chief of Naval Operations to pursue some of these ideas.
1: Basically, I was incredibly turned on by this whole idea that in an organization you could talk about uh, something other than that you had a boss and you had a subordinate. Mm -hmm. That you had a boss, but the boss had obligations in that relationship
0: hmm.
1: and of course it fits so nicely dick with the fact that we took an oath to serve and of course the oath that occurred for a young sailor was i do solemnly swear that i will support and defend the constitution of the united states again all enemies foreign and domestic i will bear true faith and allegiance to the same and i will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me. Now, to many leaders, it stopped right there. Mm -hmm. And you know what I said to the Navy? Uh, I said, no, 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 it doesn't stop right there. Uh, And my question on day one to the Navy was, That sailor promised that, and this is covenant leadership, and you're the boss, what do you promise in return? I took over on Friday, you remember Dick? And uh, on Tuesday, I met with all the global fleet and force command master chiefs. And I'll never forget this
0: as long as I live. Um, No, these are the Master Chief would be the highest uh, uh, non-commissioned officer.
1: Yes. And so some years before, somebody had figured out that every commanding officer really needs a senior enlisted advisor. Right. Uh, And and it functionally uh, was a collateral assignment on a ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, until the command got very large, and then it would become a full-time uh, responsibility. A a, senior, a master chief petty, the senior chief petty officer in the command, whoever that is, yeah. and that that person was identified specifically with an open door to provide uh, advice and counsel to the commanding officer. Okay, uh, things that the commanding officer needed to hear. From a very senior enlisted person, okay. so you're and, sitting uh, there with all these guys, and they happen to be the each one of them was the senior guy to either a fleet or force commander. So that's a three or a four star.
0: Okay, uh, and So
1: they were from all over the world. They've been you know, the and and in the navy we had a, a guy called the master chief petty officer of the navy. Okay. And he selected for a four-year tour, and uh, I inherited this guy. And I didn't really know him well, but I'd gotten to know him during the transition. And he said to me, "He said I'm going to have all the fleet and force master chiefs in to Washington for a meeting, so that they can attend uh, the change of office for for the CNO." And he said, "I would I would really appreciate it if you would uh, make time on your schedule to speak to them." And on Tuesday morning after I took over on Friday, they were the first group that I addressed in my new role <laughs> as the chief of naval operations. And so, what is a covenant? Yeah. And we'd have that discussion. And it would either have a legal context because it's contract or a very personal context because it's a promise. And then I remember talking to them about what I thought was wrong with our Navy. Mm -hmm. Uh, From a people point of view, we had the atrocious uh, attrition of sailors. 39% of our sailors didn't make it through their enlistment. So four out of 10 young Americans were coming in the Navy to fail. Mm -hmm. It just, and I told them, I refuse to be the CNO of a Navy like that. Mm -hmm. Not going to be so how did how did they respond when you started talking well it so so happened that and i didn't really know this was going to be this way when i got there they had were invited to bring their spouses so i was addressing a mixed audience mm. and when i got to this place and i'm talking about the things that we've done wrong the mistakes that we've made the things that we said that we believed that we clearly didn't believe that people were number one And then we allowed four of them in ten to fail so they could go home to their parents and their neighborhoods. And with this failure experience that they got from raising their right hand and taking an oath to serve the nation and then saying, I'm not going to be this chief of naval operations of a Navy like that. And the tears are flowing down people's face. And they had never quite heard anything like that. (laughs) (laughs) and it was about a shocking reality when i just asked simply those sailors promised that thing to support and defend obey the orders of the president of the united states and i'm asking you what are you promising in return Mm -hmm. and the room was so quiet you could hear a pin drop Mm.
0: course at the heart of covenant and the whole discussion is who am i as an individual what does that have to do with my integrity
1: and so i i was constantly talking to our people and and this discussion started big time with our admirals who are we who do we say that we are is that a familiar that 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 phrase isn't that that jesus said who do people say that i am Mm. I mean, you know, by the way, I didn't pick this up in a leadership book. I picked this up in the scriptures. Mm. Who do we say that we are? And then what do we believe in? So along the
0: way, as the admiral was teeing this up in the Navy, a young lieutenant commander, a female officer, asked if she could serve in some way by doing research to find out what folks were thinking. He encouraged her to do that. And then she reported back to them. And here's that conversation.
1: And so the room was about a dozen admirals that worked for me at Second Fleet. And, uh, you know, they were all commanders of various subordinate groups and so forth. And I remember at the end of the briefing, I asked her, I said, would you please help me understand what things we do, you know, guys like me and the rest of us sitting here, what things we do that really turn off our sailors? And she said, she, she didn't answer for a little bit. And then she said, do you really want me to say that? And I said, yes. She said, this is part of the oath. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna listen, Uh, you know, we serve not by just by running our mouth. Mm. She said, stop talking about taking care of them. She says, stop talking about taking care of them. And I didn't say anything. And she, she let it hang there. And then she said, because they think that you think that they can't. I'm having this bold discussion with my admirals, telling them, our sailors don't want to hear this out of you and me. Now, what do they want to hear from you and me? And start defining this environment that we are taking this part of our commitment to them.
0: So covenant is only language, it's only words, until the rubber hits the road, if you will. And he he told me, Vern, told me about this time in Japan where the young man asked him directly a question about, so what are you going to promise us? And this was his response.
1: It wasn't Yokosuka, it was at the Naval Air Station in Atsugi, Japan. And uh, it was the big movie theater. And he was standing on the side of the wall over there. All the seats were full. And he asked this question. And I said, uh, so the most important promise I make to you personally is this and this issue. I will get you the resources so that you can make a difference for the United States of America. Mm. You, I will see to it that you get the best training that we know how to deliver to you. I will see to it that you have the other resources that, you know, boom, boom, boom. So that, and you know, I mean, this is a this is a commitment that costs you billions of dollars but instead of spending uh, two billion dollars to build a new destroyer the first thing I did was take a billion eight and I spent every last penny of it on turning starting to turn around fixed readiness within two years you know we had gone from having two and a half carriers ready to go at any given time to having six ready to go at any time and another two and all the ships that went with them.
0: So we think about that thing called war that no one in his or her right mind wants. We think of that as between nations and all of that, but there's a battle that comes earlier than that and that's the battle for people, for strong and good people And that's where the whole idea of retention came into play here. And Vern is so articulate when he talks about that, because retention of people who have been trained is a huge deal in leadership. And we're going to wrap up with this segment.
1: But the kids responded to this, Dick, which is why we had the best retention that ever occurred in the history of the Navy. I mean, the response was stunningly immediate. I mean, I never, ever thought that winning the war for people would be realized in my time, Dick. Mm -hmm. I thought I was doing nothing but planting the seeds for the next guy. The Navy could not believe what was happening to itself. Mm -hmm. But they loved the new message. The new message was covenant leadership. Bosses are held accountable for what they promise in return. this That was the biggest thing that changed the environment overnight. So where were you two years down the road? With Two years down the road and uh, start of the third year, the chief of naval personnel called me and said, Admiral, we got a really big problem. And I said, "Uh, gosh, Norb, what is it? He said, it's retention. And I said, what do you mean we got a big problem? It's better than it's ever been in history. He said, that's the problem. (laughs) He said, we have a number of sailors that were waiting for the new fiscal year so that they could re-enlist because they wanted to re-enlist but they also wanted to have a re-enlistment bonus. And he said, first term retention right now is 83%. He said, boss, we don't know how to run the Navy like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs>
0: on that on that note, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say thank you very much, Admiral Vern Clark. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love that. I'll catch you later, Vern. Thank all
1: you. right. I know you got other things to do. Take yeah, care. All right. I, no, I you got to go sort through all this and figure out
0: how in the world I'm going to get all that in 12 minutes. Well, you, you know, can.
1: not So you've picked something, you, you know, you yeah. build the build, build framework yourself and not make a point or two for you. Take care. Thanks, brother. I'll see you in a couple. I love later. you, brother. Bye bye. you too. Bye bye.
0: Wow. I so enjoy talking with Vern, being with him. And the the things he says and that he's learned are so stimulating. And I hope you have felt that even in the listening today. Covenant, big word, core idea to how life really works. Let me ratchet it back to the more personal. Let me take you from the bowels of the Pentagon, if you will, to our house. The whole theme of what we're talking about is how our friendships built, maintained, and deepened? And covenant is at the heart of that. I love how my wife Ruth puts it, and how she put it. This is how she sees covenant and friendship, in her own words.
1: To be together in life, even though our paths may part, to listen with our hearts and tell each other the truth, to lend a helping hand when the journey is too much, to end the day as friends. This is our covenant.
0: Well, that's it for now. We look forward to being together with you next week. If you haven't had the chance to subscribe, encourage you to do that. And understand that the covenants we make Small and large are the things that frame our entire lives. With that thought, I'm out. Catch you later. This is Dick Foth saying God bless. Bye bye.